listening to the Momnificent Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them even in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Karin Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Momnificent Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Sandy Scarletta is a happiness coach and author of her recently published book, Happiness Solved. Sandy was 12 years old and could not have been happier as she climbed the 100 steps from the river dock to her house, only to learn that her brother had tragically died while serving in the U.S. Army. It was just one of the defining moments in her life. Maybe you've dealt with a recent loss or know someone who struggles with an addiction. Sandy's story will encourage and inspire you. She's a retired U.S. national and international figure skating coach, and she's here today to remind us that life is too short to live without peace and happiness. Sandy, welcome to Momnificent. I actually was starting to get teared up when you were I was like, oh, she's talking about me. I know it's so funny. We live with ourselves every day, but then when somebody like stops and like gives like the whole picture of it, it's like, it, it's been an amazing life. Well, you know, I recently um, hired a voiceover artist to read my book, to put it out. Cause I had, I, in my mind, I'm like, I need to read my own story, but that would take me a thousand hours because audiobooks have to be very succinct. And I, I'm always stumbling over words and Anyway, I prepared an audition because it's a self-improvement book and a mini memoir. So I, I had like this part is self-improvement and then read my story. I started bawling my eyes out when she was reading my story. And I'm like, you're hired. <laughs> like it was like, because her vo- just her voice and the oh. emotion that she put into it. I was like, oh my God. Oh man, so, so I, so I could have been runner up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's so funny. How many people did you have to go through till you found someone? Is that hard? It was only like four. There's a service called Findaway Voices and it's pretty reasonable. Um, It didn't cost me an arm and a leg compared to what my publisher was going to charge me. And, um, you know, it literally was like a thousand dollars to have it all done. Wow. And they distributed and all of that. And I'm so pleased with it. It should be out any day now. And it's going to be like on Audible, right? On Audible. Or yes. Any, it's like there's 47 different channels where you can find audiobooks, as a matter of fact. Really? I had no idea. I didn't know either. But so many people I know listen to books. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I just interviewed someone who wrote a 600 page book and I'm like telling my husband, this is incredible. And he's like, is, on, is it on Audible? And I'm like, no. He's like, how am I ever going to read it? And I'm like, he's so used to um, listening. So, yeah. Sandy, where are you enjoying Momnificent from today? I am in Ashburn, Virginia. We're west of D.C. Yeah, Virginia. Well, hopefully you have milder weather than than we do in Delaware here. It's kind of warm. Oh, you're in Delaware. What part of Delaware? Um, Like an hour and a half from the beaches. Okay. Just south of Wilmington. I don't know. I mean, so small. You blink and you're through the state. My sister lives outside of um, Middleton, Delaware. Middletown? Middletown, yeah. Oh, that's like 20 minutes from me. Yeah. Yeah. That's sweet. All right. So Sandy, what's one thing that you've done recently 
that maybe you have or haven't done in a while that just brings you joy? Oh, well, probably just because it was last weekend, my son, who is now 21, oh, can't believe it. It flew by. Um, he's in a fraternity and it was parents weekend and he goes to the University of Louisville. Sorry. Sorry, people. <laughs> Louisville. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I refuse to say Baltimore. I say Baltimore, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so just spending the day with him, tailgating, and he's, he literally had his arm around me the whole day, just introducing me to people. And it was just, I just felt like so special and it was just, oh. Oh, now I have the chills. Oh my gosh, that's it's so wonderful. sweet. That it's is wonderful. so sweet. They're so close to you and then they don't want you and then they don't, never talk to you. And then this moment, and that's just like, you just like capture, right? Just- I have a so totally good. different experience with my son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's my, he's my only child. He was my miracle baby. I was told I would never have children. And lo and behold, like the day that his, my ex and I agreed to separate, I found out I was pregnant and we stayed married for 10 more years. But my son and I have, have this connection that is just so beautiful. He's always hugged me, tells me he loves me in front of his friends. There was never a point where he hasn't done that. That's so sweet. And he's just, it, it was hard. I mean, I bawled my eyes out for hours when I dropped him off at college. Right? Yeah. It, how, many it, hour, how many hours away is he? It's nine hours. By car? By car. Oh, yeah, that's so I generally the, the, the flights are there's a direct flight out, out of Dallas International Airport and it's not that expensive. So it's doable. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, wow. So Sandy, let's go back a little bit to can you share with us first? What was life like for you growing up as a child? Hmm. It was at times very tumultuous. Um, my biological father died when I was 18 months old and my mother was 26 as a widow with four children. And I don't remember any of that. He was physically abusive to my mother and my brothers and my three older, two older brothers and my older sister. I don't remember any of that. But what I do know was after he died, I would run up to men asking them if they were my daddy. So do I have daddy issues? I don't think so, but. <laughs> so then that's when we moved to Baltimore, Maryland. And my mom married my stepfather. He was my father for 47 years. I, I always consider him my father. Are, are we having a bad connection? Does it sound all right to you? Um, your voice went down for like one second, but it's fine now. Okay. Because I have other headphones. If we need to switch, just let me know. Um, so it was just, you know, he was a strict Catholic. So it was very strict upbringing. He crossed the line a couple of times with discipline in, in physical, um, the way he disciplined me. And, um, but, but, you know, I mean, you don't realize all of that when you're a kid, you know, all this stuff comes up as an adult, but I mean, it was, you know, until the day I found out that my brother died, it was pretty good. You know, it was, and can, you, can you take us back to that day? I think you were not at home, right? The day you found out about your brother's death. Can you, can you just tell us what, what happened that day and just take us through that little story of the day? Yeah. So my mom and dad decided to renew their wedding vows. My mom converted to Catholicism they had been married in a courthouse or whatever. So they had another ceremony in the Catholic church and decided to go away for a second honeymoon. So I was staying with a girlfriend. We lived outside of Annapolis, Maryland on the Severn River. 
And at that particular weekend, we were at her family's cottage home that was also on the river. The phone rang, her mom asked me to answer it. I did, I didn't know who it was. And she immediately got all serious and asked her son to take, take me home by boat because it was quicker. And so we're on the boat ride and I was like, you know, it's probably my grandfather died because he was aging and, you know, con you know, when you have somebody in their eighties, maybe close to 90, I was like, so we get to the house, there's a hundred steps that go from the river dock up to the house. And so we're running up those stairs. And I think because I was an athlete, that was like my happy place was running. It was such a challenge. And I would always hear the Rocky music and I'm, you know, we're running up and we're laughing and it felt so good. And then my father greeted me at the door, told her to leave. And that's when he told me that my brother had fallen out of a third story window while serving in the US Army in Germany. And so it was just like my whole world came crashing down. Um, my older brother, Randy, was just had a blank stare on his face. My mom was just inconsolable. And I'm very empathic. I didn't know it at the time, but I'm very empathic and I feel other people's emotions. So I was just so overwhelmed. But what happened over the next few years was that, you know, my mom was in a depression and so I kind of raised myself in, in a lot of ways. I mean, she did the best she could, you know, she did the best she could. And this was in 1978. We didn't go to therapy. You know, nowadays there's interventions and there's all sorts of, you know, support. Um, and I didn't have that. So, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was by far the worst days of my life, but what ended up happening on the day of the funeral, my mom asked me to go up to the casket with her. And because it had been three weeks since he passed, there's a lot of makeup on him. And she said, he doesn't look real. He looks like a mannequin. Well, this was, I just turned 13. He died two weeks before my 13th birthday. So the funeral was like a week after my 13th birthday. And from that story, from her saying that, I made up this story that he was not dead. Oh, wow. That he was coming back. And that, you know, he was a spy or he was in the protection program. And that was how I dealt with it. So I really pushed the grief away. And, but it, the interesting thing from that, the beautiful thing from that is every year, like once or twice a year, I have a dream where I open up the door and he's standing there and we have this amazing reunion. And I wake up with a smile, like, oh my gosh, you know? Um, but the other story that I made up is that I wouldn't allow myself to be happy because I equated my happiness with something tragic happening. Years later in therapy, I learned that it was PTSD and, and it still shows up every now and then, but I have so many tools, I, I can deal with it, you know? But um, I mean, it's not severe I, by any stretch of the word, um, but it's just these thoughts come up of somebody's gonna die and, and I have to like talk myself off the ledge, you know? Wow. But uh, so yeah, so, you got to deal with that stuff. <laughs> so how did, okay, so now I'm going to probably skip, skip around a little bit in your life, but how did you, um, when did you, like, so, so you're known as a happiness coach, but when did, what changed so that you were actually able to walk into this part of your life that was, you know, yeah. different than where, my, what you were dealing with? In my life? early 20s. Um, I had a very weak moment and was out with some friends and they put some cocaine out in front of me and it had been put in front of me multiple times. And I was like, no way. My brother 
part of the reason why he fell out of a window was because he was on so many different types of drugs. So I was like, I am never using drugs. And I experimented with marijuana, didn't like it, but that was it. And so I just kept using cocaine because it took me to a place where I felt amazing. And that's the powerful thing about cocaine and the worst thing about it. So I hit rock bottom, went through like a six month outpatient recovery program, um, had to give up you know, drinking and everything, which was totally fine. I was like, I don't care. I just want to get my life back. Started into therapy and that just became obsessed with self-improvement. You know, I'm a self-professed self-help junkie and have been doing this for 30 years. So everything I talk about in my book is how I live my life every single day, because you, you never get to a place where, okay, I've arrived <laughs> now, you know, life happens and it, it's just, making that choice of how you're going to react when life happens. And, you know, but you still have to feel the feelings. I mean, I still have all sorts of things that come up, whether it's, you know, feeling left out or, you know, you get in a, you know, my son gets mad at me or, you know, whatever you have all of these situations and you have to feel that pain mm -hmm. in order to, to, you know, get to the, the other side of it. So what, what was the defining moment uh, for you to go get therapy or to go to, to, to go into that self check-in, like, um, to try to get out of your addiction, like, like what actually happened? Because look at how many people struggle with that and don't go for help. Or did someone did, was it someone influencing you or how, how did something at what moment inside you said, I will, and I'll commit to this. I had been gone for 24 hours. I was engaged to my ex-husband and we had just been engaged for like three weeks and he was on a business trip and this was before cell phones. So he couldn't reach me. So he came home. I came home. He greeted me at the door. He thought that I was having an affair. I would never have done that. And so I had to just say, um, I'm a cocaine addict. And then an hour later, my mom and dad showed up. <laughs> so then I was like intervention, um, he wanted them to take me with him. He wanted me to just leave. And they were like, look, if you really love each other, you can work through this. And so he was the one that, you know, really put his foot down. And I was like, okay. And I did it for him. I wasn't doing it for me because I was not in a place where I was ready to help myself. Yeah. But I did it. And, and then, you, you know, of course, I reached a point where I was like, okay, I got to do this for me. And I that was when I, I just found this deep connection with the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That's beautiful. And then, um, okay, so now I'm totally switching gears on everybody. But so you were an, an international and national figure skating coach. How, how did that happen? And walk us through that little career of yours. Yeah, so... Graduated from high school or, or well, my senior year of high school, I auditioned for the ice capades. It was the only goal I had, never even considered college. Graduated from high school, get a letter in the mail from the ice capades congratulating me saying, you're put on a waiting list. And I was like, now what am I gonna do? So that was that, I gave up that dream. It was a very small show. This was in 1983, it was very, very small. And um, so years later, it was actually in 1993, they, um, in the town that I live in Virginia, it's called Reston, Virginia. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, most people know Rustin. And um, they opened up an ice rink. And I was one of the first coaches on staff figuring I would just teach group lessons because I had no impressive titles or medals under my breath, my belt. I never competed outside of my region. And so long story short, I saw this kid um, in rental skates doing an axle, which was like, what are you doing? How did, and he taught himself. I took him from rental skates to US nationals. Um, of course, once he got to a certain port, I had to bring in another coach because, you know, so I brought in this really great Russian coach who I'm still friends with to this day. And, and then I watched him win his first gold medal at an international competition. And we, he, he wanted a coaching change with the Russian coach and brought in a female coach from Romania and there, we just could not see eye to eye. And I talked to his mom and I said, you know what, I'm going to step down while I'm on top. And, um, and that's when I really stopped coaching full time. And he ended up being an alternate for the Olympics. Oh my in pair, God. In pair skating. He, cause he injured his knees. So he went to switch to pair skating and he was an alternate for the Olympics. And I still keep in touch to him. He was like my first son before my son was born. And yeah. How cool is that? Oh my so God. It was great. It was just a great, I'm, I'm at peace with it. I have no desire to coach skating yes. at that time. It was a very toxic environment. I have no desire, but that fulfilled it for me and it was complete. And, but then I went into life coaching. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a coach at heart. So, you know. <laughs> and how, how did you um, start your book? What birthed your book? Tell us a little bit about that, that background story. So it all started, um, I went back to college. I graduated 35 years after I you know, graduated from high school, which was 2019. And it was actually a project in a business class. And that was when I started writing it, it was 2014. And it was just this project and I came up with this whole idea. Um, but then after I dropped my son off at college in August of 2019, it was like the floodgates opened up and I, I wrote the introduction in August of 2019 saying we are at a crossroads in humanity and we have to change because if we keep, and this is the weird part, I put something like if we keep all of this hatred, it is going to spread like a virus, like something like that. Like, like it was like, yeah, oh my gosh. I have the chills. Yeah. And I finished oh it in January of 2020 like before the right, pandemic, right when that the it was yeah. And so it's just kind of like, doo -doo -doo -doo. Wow. <laughs> but, but I knew I knew back in 2014, that we have a serious problem in the world. Um, and I really believe it stems from people they don't love themselves. And if you don't love yourself, you cannot love another person. And that is why people are so mean to one another. And they're, I'm not a psychologist. But the simple, yeah, the simple thing is you're projecting your own self-loathing onto other people. And hurt people hurt people. Well, people are a mirror for us. They're a mirror. God, that is like the most crazy reality when you really when you really <laughs> let that sink in, it is like a little, a little, a little scary. When somebody is irritating you, they are putting a mirror up right in front of your face. And it's hard to it's hard to look at. Hard. The truth. <laughs> so, so, so what's the first step first first? I mean, I know there's like a million steps to take, but with anybody listening right now and what you just said, what would be like a first step you would, you would, you would coach us in to help us in this situation? Well, you gotta, yeah. You have yeah, to you feel, have to feel, feel feelings because they're, they're real. 
and you validate, and you validate them, them and you don't, and you don't push, push them aside, aside. you validate these feelings, feelings because they because are they real. real. And then, and you, then have you have to practice, practice in practicing, practicing self love. The only way, way to do that, do that is through self forgiveness. You forgive the other person. You forgive yourself. Always forgive yourself. Like that thing, it says, don't let the sun go down when you're like holding things against people. Like, let it go. Like, it, it's not healthy for us. It's literally going to create a dis ease disease at some point in your body, somewhere in your life. And it's not right. worth it. You, you are so much more than that. And to add to that, gratitude. Oh, that's a big one. It's a big one. It is the quickest way to shift from negative emotion to positive emotion. It's a very high energy level word. And when I say energy, I'm talking about, you know, the magnetic field that surrounds us. When somebody walks in the room and they're angry, you know it immediately. Maybe because of the facial expressions, but what's really happening is you're feeling it. You can feel it if you pay attention. Same is true when somebody's happy and walks into the room, you can feel it. Yeah, yeah. What it reminds me of something somebody said to me a little while ago. Your thoughts have energy, and whatever thought you're thinking, energy goes with it. So either you can have awesome energy, or it's going to be completely zapping and draining everything out of you, no matter what you're thinking. I was like, wow, just reminded me of that when you said it. So um, can you share with us one or two practices, which you probably already are telling it to us now, (laughs) or tell us another practice in your book that that, um, if someone hasn't gotten their hands on your book yet, maybe just listening to this can be one little takeaway they can take in this 30 minutes with them today. Yes, absolutely. What people don't realize is most of the time we are causing ourselves to be unhappy. So pay attention to your thoughts. If you find yourself criticizing yourself, switch it to a positive thought. If you find yourself judging another person, comparing yourself to another person, those are all things that are causing us to be unhappy. And so it's really, it's all about paying attention to your thoughts. Those thoughts are powerful. You just said it yourself. We are so hard on ourselves and we need to just love yourself, give yourself a hug, you know, practice that self-forgiveness and accepting who you are is another big thing is the acceptance because while I may not like how my legs are aging, they're not the, they're not the nice figure skating legs they used to be, but these legs I'm so grateful for. I have to accept them the way they are. You know, I can't wear short skirts anymore. They don't, it doesn't look good and that's okay. But these legs, you know, made me, you know, international U.S. national and international figure skating coach. I have a gold medal in ice dancing. I crossed the finish line in the Marine Corps marathon. Like these legs have done so much for me. So be grateful for who you are, you know? Yeah, we may have a little bit of flab here, but but this belly, I have had so many great laughs with this belly. I I had my son, you know, I went from, from like 125 pounds to 196 pounds. <laughs> They're like, you may have a high-risk pregnancy. You need to stop exercising and gain weight. I'm like, so I did, I gained 70 pounds. <laughs> so just be grateful and accept who you are and all of your wrinkles and, you know, it's have to, it's just part of loving yourself, acceptance. That's so beautiful. It's such a good reminder. And, and it, it, it makes me think of how 
if you can't stop and come to that point where you do love yourself, you you, you can't be open and, and in that space to really accept others for who they are and just let them be them without yeah. judgment. Oh, that's right. huge. But what a yeah. beautiful place to live. And everybody yeah. wants someone to uh, make them feel recognized, needed, wanted. They have a place. Like, we all, we all want that at our core. So if yeah. we can get to that place to accept us and where and who we are at, what a beautiful environment with whoever you interact with when they feel that from you, because you will create that for both of you. But I, a disclaimer here is I'm not perfect. I get angry. I have, I'm a hothead. Um, I, I can be and not, it's, it, it's lessened over the years. Um, I, there's times where I catch myself judging other people and I'm like, okay, stop. But what I do is I switch it. I switch that thought and I don't judge that person for what they're wearing. I then say, oh my gosh, she looks beautiful. I'm not perfect. Nobody, none of this stuff will be mastered. It is something you have to practice on a daily basis and just not a robot. Right. The only way to, uh, to, you know, to flatline is to be on top of a mountain and meditate all day. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and with then nobody doing, else. Right. That's not reality. Not real. So it's not real. Not real. It's life. just about recognizing when those thoughts come up and being gentle with yourself. Like, it's okay. It's, it's normal. I'm human, but then switch it. And I love it. I love everything that you're saying. So lastly, what's one thing that you would say to your younger self that you can leave our listeners with today? Mm. I wrote a novel, it was published in 2009. And in it, I share an experience that I had when I was in outpatient recovery. And, and I talk about this, it's, it's a big theme of this novel, which is not available for purchase anymore, but spoiler alert, I am finishing it. I have the second book finished, gonna finish the third book put them all together and republish it. Um, so there was a visualization exercise where I'm walking down this path and I see myself as a six-year-old child and she looks up at me <clears throat> and she says, how did we get this way? So think, of th think about that one because I believe that the second book was actually called Beginning to Remember. I believe that we all have that within us that innocence that we felt as a younger child. And then the world gets to us and brings us down. And we, we're we all beginning to remember what who we truly are. Yeah. And we can all have that innocence that we had as a child. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And Sandy, how can someone find and follow you? On Facebook and Instagram, <clears throat> excuse me, allergies, um, at Coach Sandy Scarlotta. And my website is sandyscarlotta.com. My email is sandy at sandyscarlotta.com. Well, Sandy, you are a beautiful person. Oh, and thank you. thank you for sharing your stories with us today. Um, it has inspired me and you just make me smile. So thanks for being you and continue being thank you because you. you are touching so many people's lives. And there's so many of us who need to be reminded of the message that you are carrying and sharing. And thanks for being so vulnerable and open. Um, and I wish you all the best. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. It's been an honor and a privilege to, to be here today. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Magnificent Podcast. 
you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment, but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry, be happy.